This episode of Beyond is brought to you by Forhims.com. F-O-R-H-I-M-S.com. Do not underestimate the power of PlayStation. Beyond. 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 What's up, everyone? Welcome to IGN Beyond, episode 554. My name is Jonathan Dormish. I am your host. But before we (laughs) begin, very important information. Beyond is now live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific at beyond.ign.com. Go there for the full episode every week. It will be available 24 hours later on all other platforms, but you can get it first on IGN at beyond.ign.com every Wednesday at 3 now back to the rest of the show, as our good friend Spyro would say. All right, yeah. For the audio listeners, there's a big, big ass uh, Spyro pool toy on on top of the. He's desk been right terribly now. gigantic. Yeah, been terribly deformed by some <laughs> evil wizard, presumably, and is forced to live his life as a child's tool, uh, pool toy. Yeah, we're we're actually here to reveal the true Spyro Four. Uh, mm-hmm. It is a pool based game. Uh, there are tabletop <laughs> games. There are now pool games. This is that game. It says uh, only use under adult supervision in water in which child is within its depth. So we have broken all of those rules yeah, right perfect. here on Podcast Beyond. Screw uh-huh. rules. I'm going to gently move this giant animal out of the way. You know what? That. Like Spyro's <laughs> no longer a dragon in that form because he doesn't have arms and legs. He only's got he's only got the wings. It's just a pool man now. It That's actually, true. It yeah. says not no uh, not suitable for children under 36 months. I did not read months at first, so I thought it said not suitable for children under 36, which yes. I, thought, <laughs> I thought applied for the show. I agree. Yeah. Uh, because we are the children's talking about the games. Yeah. Speaking of games, can we talk about some games? Because I'm very excited to talk about some goddamn games. Yes, let's yes. jump right in. Uh, we have played Guacamelee 2. Yeah. It is not out until later this month, uh, coming to PS4 and PC, but mm-hmm. don't worry about PC. No one cares. But we have played, we can talk about the first two hours of the game. Yes. So no spoilers beyond that point. And I do want to lay down the ground rule. There are a couple really cool nods at the beginning of this game, Easter eggy sort of things that I don't want to spoil. Yeah. Yeah. I the, think they are worth yeah. seeing. They're yeah. So if cool. if we if we can talk about this game in sort of broad generalizations, I will say uh, that this is so far from what I played, one of my favorite Metroidvania games ever made and an absolutely stellar and very worthy successor to the original Guacamelee. If you were around in the old Beyond days where like people like me and Greg Miller and Colin Moriarty used to just scream about how awesome Guacamelee was, how it's one of the best, you know, sort of action platformers ever made. Um, this game builds on everything from there. Uh, it feels incredibly comforting to jump back into that world, but also consistently refreshing in the amount of new challenges and surprises it throws at you. Uh, I don't think I realized how much I missed mm-hmm. playing this game until right? I played it again. It felt like connecting with an old friend that I hadn't seen in a while and then just picking up right where we left off and just realizing how much I miss that person. And the beginning of the game handles that so well of the yeah. fact that it has been seven years since the first game came out. Like, yep. it, it addresses that. In the in the universe, not yes. since in our world. Yes. Yeah, it's in our world, it, it, it's been less than Yes, seven. it's been maybe five, okay, four, you, four. Yeah, you really four. almost just screwed me. No, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, like it's, it's, it's been years. seven years in his life, but it's also been several years for us. Yeah. And um, so, to this, have that come back. This is a 
absolutely gorgeous video game. Um, yes. I, I'm playing on my Samsung KS8000, like the big 65-inch screen they put out a couple years ago. Um, and it's just stellar looking. Uh, the animation is wonderful. The, uh, the, the sort of just like the art direction in general. There's all this really cool, fun, bright, vibrant, crazy, colorful stuff going on in the foreground and background. It's, it's just consistently a joy to look at. I also think it's like incredibly um, just funny just yeah. I, I don't have enough great things to say about this. I mean, game. that scene we just saw before was someone training chickens mm -hmm. yep. and to do a dance. It was yeah. adorable <laughs> and hilarious. Now there's chickens mm -hmm. uh, cascading across the screen. Uh, so I guess if you've never played Guacamelee before, which I don't think you need to play the first one, you should because it's awesome. It's still yes. great. But uh, this one, you know, the developers very specifically have tweeted out recently that, you know, you can jump right in this one. It doesn't really follow a ton of the story beats from the original. Um, it is a action platforming game with Metroid-style elements. And what that means is that you are a Lucha Libre wrestler who uh, can do mild transformation stuff involving chickens. Yes. <laughs> and uh, traversal and combat is a big key to your success here. Getting around the world basically involves beating people up and doing very, very incredibly daunting platforming exercises. Yep. Uh, I, I would say in terms of the Metroidvania genre, it's got some of my favorite combat and also some of my favorite platform mechanics of all of them. Um, I think a lot of those games hinge on exploration a lot more, and there is a lot of that here, but the nitty-gritty here is really getting through environments uh, perfectly using a sort of combination of different, uh, I would say, like status effects and double jumps and air dashes and uppercuts and stuff like that, as well as sort of time-shifting mechanics that you learn mm -hmm. later on. Um, what separates this from other games is I think the checkpointing is so incredibly well done in this game that you, every single screen that you're looking at is effectively a self-contained puzzle room. Yeah. yeah. And so dying on one, within seconds, you get another chance to do that again. And every time something feels insurmountable, you give it five tries, 10 tries, 50 tries. <laughs> Maybe you walk away for an hour and you come back and then you solve it and you feel amazing and you move on and you do it all over again. It it's reminds me of Celeste. Kind of hard. Yes. That it knows that it can be really challenging, but that it still wants to make this game achievable for you. It yes. it, it's such a joyful game and it doesn't want to hold you back from that joy. Mm -hmm. uh, Barry, you've played a lot of this game. Yeah, How do you feel I, I, I think I'm close to beating this game, but yeah, like you said, Don't I spoil it. Yeah, no, I, I just wanted to say, like, it's one of those, like, you forget how much you love this universe until you jump back in. I remember when this was first announced, it was like, oh, yeah, like, this is awesome, more guacamole. And then, like, as time rolled on, it was one of those things, like, oh, but do we really need more guacamole, yeah. right? Yes. Like, what we were saying uh, recently about <laughs> Overcooked 2 uh, on one of the episodes, uh, I think a couple episodes ago, was like, it doesn't feel like a full step forward uh, from one to two, it felt like more of a half step. And I was, some people were sort of concerned about guacamole for the same thing of like, is it just going to be a half step? It's going to be a full step. Like, w is it a deserved sequel? And absolutely. Like right. they remind you of like in the first hour and a half, they remind you of what made the first one so great. Right. And I feel like they build on top of that after they reintroduce everything. It feels like the jump from honestly, and this is like a bold statement from like Super Mario Brothers one to Super Mario Brothers three or something. Oh yeah. 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 Where they've, it still feels familiar. Mm -hmm. It's still incredibly easy to pick up and start messing around with. Yeah. But there's so many different things happening at play and so many systems that are being added on top of each other. Yeah. Um, to the point where actually it kind of 
breaks your brain every now and then. <laughs> it's it's like learning. You're it really you're using all parts of the deer when it comes to the PS4 controller. Yeah, like to jump in the air, uppercut, air dash, time shift, land, turn into a chicken, double dash up. Like there's the amount of sort of platforming and action platforming mechanics that you're using yep. in synchronicity or in the right orders almost feels rhythm gamey at times. It does. You, you need are, to be fast. You have too. to be fast, yeah. yeah. And like I said, it's incredibly forgiving. When you die, um, you don't really die. There's no lives in this game. There's no right. game overs. Uh, you just start instantly right over, which I, I think is like a movement we've seen in platforming games a lot over the last few years. I think most notably the Rayman games did them really well. Mm. Um you know, some of the Mario games recently have removed lives entirely. I think it's such a smart way of looking at it. Um, yep. Celeste as well, if, yeah. I, if I'm correct. Um, and I love that. I love that about it. So it gives you an opportunity to feel like you're not being punished for dying dozens over and over of and over again. Yeah, there's so many like extra challenge rooms, like the first one, right, where you sort of go off into an area and you don't know if you have the right. Uh, like skills equipped yet to actually do this room but you try over and over and over and then with me like I'll try for like five minutes and then I'll say to myself I probably don't have the right thing right not wanting to tell myself I just probably suck at the yeah room. and then <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just move on with the story and uh -huh. yeah. and then maybe you come back because you'll look at that map and it'll tell you the percentages that you've completed so far yeah and you'll be like I gotta go back and 100% that you'll also see doors you can't access yet right that you'll gain abilities to open later on hence the um, Metroidvania exactly um, one of the things that I didn't like about the last game, I like to think of most video games as sort of being these timeless artifacts mm. that we can go back to forever. And the last game had a lot of memes. Yeah. And mm -hmm. if you love memes, yeah, that Barrett wasn't there yet. Memes. Also, that meme, whatever Barrett just did, is already like stale. Yeah, in I think the world he kept it off. And, and, that, and that's what I was trying to point yeah. out is like the, the jokes and references that they did in the first one felt old already. Yes. It, it kind of felt like some of the jokes in Black Panther where it was like, oh, like I get the jokes that you're trying to do here, but this was like a joke from four years ago. It's, like you guys aren't right there, like right It's like when South Park can make an episode in three days and Family Guy takes a year. And yeah. so by the time Family Guy like sort of covers on something, video games take a long time. Yeah. Uh, it, it feels too stale. And so like there were a lot of jokes and memes in the background of the first game that didn't age well to the day the game launched, the best one um, was the the strong bad reference. Yes, mm. I agree. Uh, from Homestar Runner. But I mean, uh, some of us still remember what that is. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, there was stuff like Grumpy Cat and stuff, which yeah. like, you know maybe you remember, maybe you don't. But the cool thing about this game is, I would say that a lot of the references, and there are still a bunch, yep. are way more evergreen yes. in general. Um, there are, and I don't want to spoil any of them because they're really fun. They're really yeah, fun they to pick are. out. They're, but, yeah, they're fun to discover. And yeah, and they range from anything from just like a, a billboard that's sort of tilted, or like a sign hanging in like a in like a local person's house, yep. or an entire like side mission mini game thing which is a <laughs> reference to an entire genre entirely yeah. um i caught references to stuff like zelda 2 to star mm. wars so that's like a lot more evergreen mm. and less so like pepe frog or something stupid yeah. you know? and i think the thing about the references is at the very least when there's like photos in the background or a poster or something they're not trying to be funny like mm -hmm. they're cute but the the memes in the first game felt like they were trying to really make you laugh when you saw it yeah, yeah. whereas here the things in the back it's like oh yeah that thing that would work in this world i yeah. see how that makes sense. I think the com the comedy here thrives more through the writing and the scenarios that the writing right. brings you on, which I really appreciate because it's like it's genuinely like it put a smile on my face a bunch of times. It's honestly this is probably like 
my favorite Saturday morning cartoon that I've played in yeah. a very long time. Like yep. that's how it kept it kept coming to me. Maybe it helped. I spent like <laughs> I woke up on a Saturday morning and I was like, I'm gonna play this game for an hour. And then I it was eight o'clock at night all of a sudden. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, this is awesome. Yeah. yeah, like the the sort of base story here is like, yeah, it's seven years later and just like some basic stuff like the world is at disaster again and you have to go and save it. and the way they introduce like all of the trouble feels very saturday morning where your goat mentor like comes up and he's like hey the mexiverse is in trouble yeah yep. and you're like oh okay i guess we're doing this yeah and there's it, a little bit of like you know aronofsky's the wrestler in there where you yeah. see his body and you're kind of like oh man guacamole like what have you been doing i didn't expect to get sad at the beginning of yeah. guacamole too like i actually was oh i care about this weirdly and i didn't expect that one thing that uh, I don't know if you guys played it this way at all. I played co-op a little bit, which no. the first game did eventually end up having. I forget if they added it later. I just never played it. I think it was it. a patch later. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I played a bit of this game in co-op, and it, in a way, also breaks your brain because it made me reconsider how I approached puzzles. Right. Where, you know, one puzzle would have me, I'd have to jump from those eagle hooks. If you were watching the gameplay, you would see them. I had to jump from them while also realm shifting like three times in between. But here... I would do the hooks while uh, my girlfriend who was playing with me would do the realm shifting. So we had to figure out a timing with each other to be in sync to get me through this level. And it's you can achieve those uh, platforming problems by yourself. You mm -hmm. can overcome mm -hmm. them. But it's so interesting that they work really well, I thought, as a two-player. I can't imagine four players. <laughs> would you say yeah. it's easier or more difficult? Uh, you have to figure out what your rhythm is. Like You have to be able to communicate really mm -hmm. well and if you're not doing that you are going to fall into lava many many times yeah. so mm -hmm. don't play with someone whose relationship you admire <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or it might go to crap yeah, yeah or like if you're on the rocks don't be like we should uh, solve this problem with guacamole too <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so, pretty, so what I'm gathering from you is like it's yeah. not more difficult or less difficult it's just a different way of thinking also. yes it's a, it's a different difficulty but I appreciated it. Okay. Uh, it it's definitely I'll be doing the review for us for IGN it's definitely made Ooh. me think about the game in a different way which i like uh because like both of you i've been enjoying the hell out of it as mm. someone who loved the first game i learned about the first game from beyond so it's right. very cool to be able to play this game now but yeah this made me think of these platforming puzzles in such a different way in such a fun way but playing alone is still such a blast mm -hmm. nice. Uh, there is more coming out and has come out uh, as you're listening to this that we've also played. You can look forward to more Guacamelee 2 on IGN later this month. Brian, you've played Castaway Paradise. Yeah. Tell, tell me, me a little about, bit about this game, this. Brian. This, this was a very surprising game. So, like, you can't really tell from, like, my five o'clock shadow and leather jackets and crap, but I'm a huge Animal Crossing fan. <laughs> <laughs> like, I really love just, like, Hey, quiet. bikers can be into That's true. Animal that's Crossing. True. You know? uh, there is that koala in that game that wears aviators and has a, like, a... Exactly. Yeah, that's that's my dude right there. Um but I'm 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 really into like just kind of kind of lazy, quiet, slow, take it in your own place kind of world building simulators and like I don't know stuff like it's just something really cozy and cool about being in a small town full of animals and yeah. stealing their furniture and making your house better, making Tom um, no happy. But uh, a we haven't gotten a real dedicated Animal Crossing game in a very long time, and b there's well, the, nothing the, the like the iPhone that. one wasn't good enough no, for we you. Don't really talk about that one. <laughs> um, and b there's really nothing like that at all on PS4. I mean, you can play stuff like Stardew Valley and there's stuff like The Sims, which kind of gets close, but I've been playing this game called Castaway Paradise, which uh, it just launched on PS4 and feels like, 
it almost feels like speedrunning Animal Crossing. Like it's like a slightly faster Animal Crossing game. And if you look at uh, if you look at some of the the B roll we have going right here, and if you're listening to the show, I'll describe it to you. This is a uh, almost boxier version of Animal Crossing. It's got fishing. It's got hunting for bugs. It's got like sort of gardening. Um, you get you get like a, a watering can and a and an axe, and there are animals in your town. You can shake trees and steal apples. It's basically Animal Crossing. Now, what I will say was that this game was very clearly a mobile game first and before you get scared by all that uh, they have pulled out all of the icky grabby pay to win or pay to advance stuff and just made a much snappier much speedier Ooh. game cool. um there's a, a store in town where you can go and buy furniture uh you can run errands for people what i liked about this game is that unlike animal crossing it's got a level up system so instead of like when you're playing animal crossing you play for the day and then like you feel like you've done everything you can do uh in castaway paradise the more stuff you do, the faster you level up. And by leveling up, you unlock items that you can use almost immediately. So I played it like just in my first two or three hours. I got the fishing rod, the bug catching net, the axe, um, like a rake, basically all the things you need to start developing a town. And then you run errands and you sell stuff. And then you take that money and you put it directly in your house to expand it, make it bigger, go buy furniture. Um, and I'm really like, I, I, it's just really charming. Like, I think it's like, it's it's very unabashedly an Animal Crossing game, but I guess with with certain things like this, like I you know I guess I could ask you you guys like is that okay? Like it's not necessarily the most original thing in the world, but there is nothing like it on PS4, and it's fun and it's whimsical and it's like relaxing and I you know. Like, Can I ask what do you mean exactly by faster? Because I, I there is sometimes occasionally for me the reason I've dropped out of some Animal Crossings, yeah. having played the old ones so much, is the pace of it yeah. occasionally throws me off. What what exactly is faster? So uh, basically, like I was implying before, like when you're playing Animal Crossing, you go to Tom Nook's store and you're like, "What do you have for sale today?" And he's like, "I have some wallpapers and some garbage." and some dirt and like maybe <laughs> and like maybe a toothpick and then yeah. you have to wait until the next day yeah, and then you again. or you time travel you go to the next day and you're like do you you're still selling the net like i want to go fishing it's been a week <laughs> i live in this town i can't go fishing this game by uh doing errands for people around town for selling stuff um you'll fill up a meter which will level you up and by hitting like level two or level three with each level you open up abilities to plant different trees or use different items. So by like level two or level three, which happens very early on in the game, you've already got a fishing net, you've got uh, or you know like a, a bug net, a fishing, a, a fishing line and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden you're like, I can interact with almost everything in this world and now it's a matter of figuring out how I wanna do that to hit the next level. Um, sections of the game are walled off mm. uh, and by repairing bridges and tunnels and stuff like that and gotcha. homes you can expand your world and and grow out even more so it it feels tiny when it starts out but there's a, a lot to do and it just gets bigger and bigger so that's cool um i i want to check in on this game more often and just see how everyone's doing and just like i feel like it's a nice palate cleanser in between like big you know bloody story driven games that i yeah. also completely adore <laughs> uh so yeah, check this game out. It's um. I want I want your trying. weekly updates on how your town is doing. And I will let if you everybody's know. still alive. And I hope I hope they're okay. <laughs> I actually haven't <laughs> I haven't checked in. I haven't gone like a long time to see if they die. If you <laughs> yeah, they might. Like there's that yeah. thing in Animal Crossing where you don't show up for like ten years and they're like, dude, where have you been? <laughs> like there's cockroaches everywhere. Like it's horrible here. Please. And don't it's all your fault because yeah. you're the yeah. only one. Yeah, who can do anything. Catches yeah. bugs. That's a lazy town. If yeah, you it always is. Exactly. So yeah. Yeah, check out Castaway Paradise. It's super cool. Cool. Uh, moving back into the 2D space, Flipping mm -hmm. Death. Mm -hmm. Brian, you've played a bit, Casey, I believe yep. you've played a bit? Tiny bit. Tiny yeah. bit. 
tell me a bit about this because I've been excited. This was revealed during the original Nintendo Nindies Direct in February 2017. Yeah. So it has been a while. It's from yeah. Zunk Games. Yep. And it's on PS4 now. It's um, effectively like a puzzle adventure game with a really interesting art style. Um, it reminds me a lot of uh, Double Fine yes. kind of stuff. Like It, it, it seems like a very like 2D Double yeah. Fine like art style and even humor, I would mm -hmm. say. Uh, the game starts with uh, a girl and a guy who kind of go just like messing around on like a Saturday afternoon and one of them falls into a crypt and dies. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know. They were going to go make out and do some smooches. Yep. After she gets fired from a funeral home. Mm -hmm. Yes, where she's dressed up as the devil, which like kind of importance she justifies as like it's all it's three weeks until Halloween. It's like, yeah, like there are sad families coming yeah. by every hour. <laughs> and so what eventually happens is a couple of mechanics start opening up. Mm -hmm. You wake up dead and realize you're a ghost uh, and what can ghosts do best, which is, you know, possess things. So using this mechanic, think very sort of Paper Mario or like a giant diorama and sitting in front of you and then spinning it around. So on one side, you have the world of the dead and mirrored on that on the other side is the world of the living. And by hitting a button, you can effectively switch to those worlds and possess people to interact with things that will then impact the world of the dead. Uh, so it's got some platformy elements, but it's effectively like a side-scrolling adventure game. So if you grew up playing games like Maniac Mansion or like a lot of the Double Fine stuff, yeah. I think you'll feel right at home here. The art style is also really cool. It's very unique. The animation's really fun. The voice acting is very kind of poppy and vibrant. Um, I don't know how long the game is, but what I've played so far has been like really quirky and really smart. Mm -hmm. So I have a feeling a lot of the puzzles are going to get pretty challenging as well. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I I, I, it's definitely unique. I only got to play like the first half hour of the game, but just like the the main mechanic of possessing people I thought was already like really cool and um, interesting of how both worlds relate to each other. So right. I'm excited to play more of it. Yeah, it also breaks the fourth wall a lot in the dialogue. Mm -hmm. If you just stand there and let the NPCs talk to you or like <laughs> let the narrator talk that. in yeah. between levels they just keep talking oh interesting <laughs> and like, the, there's a it's really interesting because they'll stand there and be like oh you know i could just stand here and talk to myself all day that's cool I mean, if you want. <laughs> Great. uh I like in that. between like level like this is the prologue right here what we're watching in the video version and then like when she dies that's like chapter one and in between there's like a narrator like when it's like on the loading screen talking about like oh like yeah like that's her story the end no, nothing else to do here. And it's like, I mean, I guess it was technically the player's fault that like this girl died, but you know, who cares? Yeah. Or what, it, it, the yeah, the entire really game feels almost like a, aesthetically like it's uh, tangible. It's mm. got this very kind of like painting on balsa wood or paper craft feel to it. Um, when you see something flip, it's got that paper Mario approach. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. you're, at one point you're driving a car and it just feels like you're driving the flat side of a wooden car from like a pop-up book or like like a toy set uh, or like a model kit. And I really appreciate that because the whole world feels built. It's almost um, like Nightmare Before Christmassy where you're Oh like, man, spoilers, she she dies. She dies. Ooh, Dang. Yeah. Full of spoilers on the <laughs> show. That actually, though... Surprisingly brutal death. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that reminds me, Ryan, Zoink is... They're also developing Ghost Giant for PSVR. Oh, cool. Uh, which is this... You get into the headset and you are a ghost giant and you see a diorama sort of village, at least in the demo I played, in front of you. And it has a similar art style to Flipping Death, but it's a built-out, looks like someone made handmade this diorama. So that's, that's awesome to hear because that's some of my favorite stuff on PSVR. Yeah. Is sort of when you're 
playing as a life life size or giant person, and then things in front of you are small and can be picked up picked up and moved around. Um, I think that like that sense of scale is perfect for PSVR and yeah. VR in general. It's exciting to see Zoink continue that level of comedy and also this beautiful art style. So yeah. I'm excited to see more of what they do and actually play Flipping Death, which is available now. Barrett. Hi. Switching gears quite a bit. Yeah. You've been tossing that old pigskin around in Madden Playing NFL next year. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I, I get into Madden once every couple of years just because there's not a, like, a lot of changes gameplay-wise every year. But uh, this one has a story mode. Yeah, and the, the last one, last year had a story mode as okay. well. So this is the continuation of uh, Long Shot, um, Long Shot, which uh, follows the story of Colt Cruz and Devin Wade, mm-hmm. uh, who's the quarterback. And before I get into the story, just like gameplay hasn't changed a lot, but it was interesting going back home and playing 2016. I think is the one I have at home, and like. It's weird to go back to an older version of the game and be like, oh, this actually does feel really old. And like the <laughs> UI like feels much more, like less sleek and all that right. stuff. So there are like little like improvements here and there um, just to like make it feel a little more sleeker and a little smoother, which I do appreciate. Um, but yeah, I played the first, I want to say, two hours of long shot this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, so the story for this game is yeah. his wife passes away and him and his son have to climb to the top of a mountain and yes. sprinkle yes. her ass. <laughs> and then she knows every step of the way and yep. knows like uh you know who Don't has spoil to- it. <laughs> <laughs> um, She's the coach. Of- oh damn. Yeah. Um so yeah, it continu- continues uh, Devin Wade's story, which I find a little frustrating. I played the first long shot at the end. You see, like, oh, like at the end, like at the beginning of the game, you of the first one, you get to choose like who's your who your favorite football team is, mm-hmm. and mine's the the Packers. So at the end of the story, depending on like how well certain situations go, um, you know, you get different endings. And the ending I got was basically like. The Packers called me up at like after the draft, and they're like, "Hey, we have like a free position for you. Like, do you want to go here, or uh, do you want to go to the team that your best friend Colt, uh, who's on screen in the video, Scott Porter? Um, <clears throat> Scott yeah, Porter. this is very Friday Night Lights. Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah. Also, I wish I had the confidence of a video game designer who wants to put plaid in a video game because <laughs> that is always this is the second plaid shirt we've story. seen yeah. in, in this." Uh, this video so far. Um, and so at the end of the of my playthrough last year, I got drafted by the Packers. Mm-hmm. And Congrats. So yeah. Congratulations, at, you made the right choices. Thank you. Um, yeah, you know, like uh, the mentality I had in the locker room, I kept on like the field and stuff, and I, I just want to thank God and, you know, for giving me the opportunity. Um, but anyway, the beginning of this one doesn't let you choose who your favorite team is. It just... Oh, you got drafted by the Cowboys. Oh. It was like, oh, so you, the choices I made in the first one don't really matter, which I oh. thought was really weird. Because there's a lot of player agency in the first one of like having conversations and choosing what Devin was going to say. And to be fair, that's what happens to a lot of players on the college level. They don't get to pick their favorite team. They just <laughs> go true. where the money is. Exactly. Uh, but I thought it was really weird and it's like there's definitely a constricted story here, no matter what you do. Like uh right now, like Devin is like on the Cowboys, but like they've got him basically trying out unless uh, like they can cut him before the true season starts. Like they're about to get into preseason and like you're in practice and like running plays and all this stuff. And like I was doing really well and getting like a bunch of touchdowns in a row. (laughs) And at the end of the uh, at the end of the practice, like your coach is like, you did terribly today. And like (laughs) you got to get your head in the game or like we're going to cut you. And it's like I just. 
did really well. I don't know what you're talking about. So there's definitely like a constricted story here, which I thought was really weird and not very um, akin to the first one, which did like adjust to like how well you did in a practice and like would adjust like how the ending turned out. Um, mm -hmm. So I thought that was interesting. So, so far, Devin's story feels a little forced. Uh, but then you got uh, Colt's story who... Um, Again, at the end of my playthrough of the first one, he had gotten drafted, but in this universe, I will say, uh, he did not get drafted. Uh, he's just known for being the hometown boy who came up with the song Long Shot, which I will not sing here because we might get copyright <laughs> striked. But, Please uh, say, no, you'll be pitch perfect if <laughs> so you do, so I understand the hesitation. Um, so it's so, an alternate timeline. Yeah, it's basically an alternate timeline where he doesn't get drafted and he's trying to make it as a music star and it's this whole weird thing. But like... His part of the story is actually pretty cute, and like he meets his like like half sister that he never met, and and whatnot. It, it gets very Friday Night Lights and mm -hmm. very like sort of hokey like drama stuff. But I I, I get into it, but I, I just get frustrated that like the the player agency is like almost completely gone. Him pursuing a musical career, I do want to get to the player agency in a second. <laughs> but him pursuing a musical career, I really wish, given that the first game was about sort of a reality show, yeah. that he just goes onto American Idol and the second half of the campaign <laughs> is just you living out a season of American Idol. That'd be mm -hmm. dope. Um, yeah, right now he is like back home, sort of taking care of his half sister, and he's helping out like his high school like football team a little gotcha. bit. So. So um, I'm excited to see where the rest of the story goes. Like, it's a good story so far. I've Again, I've only played, like, the first hour and a half, maybe two hours. Um, and it, it, it keeps, like, the same tone, at least, of just, like, this very, like, hopeful and you're constantly rooting for them kind of thing. But, yeah, I, I wish the player agency was still there because I, I miss making the choices and I miss, like, having the consequences of, like, missing a pass or something, you know? Like, that would really affect your story in the first one, whereas if you miss a pass here that goes against what the story wants you to do, it'll be like, try that again. <laughs> like, all right, That's whatever. Yeah. Uh, well, you're going to stick with it then? <laughs> I, I will stick with it and cool. see, see uh, what we do here. And if I don't like the story, I'll just continue on with franchise mode and play every uh, game in the season as Perfect. the Packers. As you should. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, well, if you listening at home don't want to play any of the games that are available that we just talked about, good news, there are free games if you subscribe to PlayStation Plus. Wait. The Monster Hunter. Oh, Casey. <laughs> oh, Casey. I'm so sorry. I brought... I'm going to give you... I'm going to put you on the clock. What? Are you ready? I need seven minutes. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... I'm going um, to let you jump in. Monster Hunter. All right. Go ahead. Um, Monster Hunter World just came out with a collaboration with Final Fantasy XIV, which is also on the PlayStation. Okay. Um, Final Fantasy XIV came out with a new trial with Rathlos, which I have little figures down here. Um, you have to be max level in Final Fantasy XIV to take on this trial. Mm. They have two different modes. You can either do it as a full party with eight, or you can do it in an extreme version with four people. Ooh. I haven't been able to play the Final Fantasy game yet. Um, well, I, I've played Final Fantasy XIV. I haven't played the Rathlos raid. Right. But... I have fought Behemoth in Monster Hunter World, which is mm. that part of the crossover, and oh my god, it's the most difficult thing I've ever done in Monster Hunter. <laughs> why, why is the Behemoth so tough besides the name? So, um, and just to kind of put some uh, <laughs> perspective on this, I, throughout everything in Monster Hunter World, I never had to repeat a quest. I always... I never got completely carded. I never failed a quest the entire game. You're really good at Monster Hunters. What I have failed why she 15 the same. times. Really? 16? Wow. 15 times. 15. 17? <laughs> 27 17. times. 479 times. <laughs> and I know it's not just me, because if you go on Reddit right now, people are so 
mad, but mm-hmm. it is a very challenging quest. And the thing, does the reason it feel why, unfair? so sometimes it does. Okay. Huh. <laughs> so Behemoth um, t- in Monster Hunter takes a lot of the mechanics that were in Final Fantasy. Okay. So he casts a ecliptic meteor. Right. And when that happens, it will one shot you anywhere on the map unless you're behind one of the comments that he put down. And these comments that he puts down, you can kind of trail around the map before it falls. Okay. But they can break. So if they're all gone off the map when he uses this attack, that's it, you're done. You have a very small window of opportunity to use a new emote, which is the dragoon jump, Mm -hmm. to possibly jump over it, but it's very difficult to pull off. Um, Sometimes you're hiding behind a comet and you think everything is fine. Behemoth can knock you out from behind the comet and his one-shot move will still hit you. Wow. (laughs) So um, if you're watching on screen, um, one of the comets just uh, fell. But it's a little bit glitchy. There you go. There it so is. So on, on an average, <laughs> but, um, on an average like attempt, how mm-hmm. long has it taken you before dying? So we, I'm now able with my. So the reason why I was having such a hard time before is because this fight is taking mechanics that Monster Hunter has never used before, what? and they are the developers are highly encouraging players to have an actual team that's set up like a light party in Final Fantasy where you need oh, a tank, you need a healer, and you need two DPS. Which and if is, you're trying without all four of those things, it can be very, very difficult. It's a very specific yeah. set of criteria. <laughs> and especially because there really aren't healers in Monster Hunter. Like if you're watching the video now, I have a healing build and I'm using Sword and Shield, which is the only weapon that lets you use items without having to put your uh, weapon away. Right. So you can very quickly react to what the monster is doing. And I also have the Wiggler Head, which gives you an ability called Wide Range so that whenever I take medicine or use an item, it also affects my party members. So I put a build specifically so that I can heal and buff my party members with mushrooms. I can use flash pods immediately. I can heal immediately. And like I, that's all I'm trying to do. <laughs> and meanwhile, I had a party member who was trying to tank with a light bow gun. That's this is the move, ecliptic meteor. So if we're not Very behind, nice. I know if we're not behind a rock. Oh, see boy. someone, someone that was the random in uh, my crew. So we had an issue where we kept coming up with randoms. And since we couldn't communicate with them, it was very difficult. Mm. This is a very team-based game, and it's very difficult. And I teamed up with someone who was hunter rank, like, 220. Mm -hmm. And just to put that in perspective again, I've put in about 330 hours, and I'm hunter rank, like, 97. Damn. Wow. So, and he hadn't been able to complete it either. But we were able to consistently get to the final phase of the fight. Okay. But that final phase, this monster becomes incredibly fast. He's very powerful. If you don't have like armor above 400, he will so who, almost one shot you. So who is <laughs> this so for? <laughs> so that's the thing. It's, like it's, if it's not for you. But no, I, I really. You're crazy for this stuff. <laughs> I really, I actually really like it. It is incredibly challenging. It's incredibly different. But that the only unfair mechanic is that one shot move. Yeah. Right. But if you're really smart with your placement and you're super on point like you should be able to come out has anybody be okay it yet? yes people okay. have beaten it. okay okay it's right. not unbeatable so it's, do- it's doable it's definitely 100 doable sometimes luck just isn't on your side like if he starts casting that one shot move and you're too far away from a comet for cover you're done so you're, that's it you're done but if you are fighting too close to the comet he can break it so that's so crazy. <laughs> it's just i mean i that's ca- difficult because i of kind that. of admire 
the unmitigated gall that they <laughs> yeah. have to yeah. put out something this difficult. Yeah. yeah, like it's sort of a middle finger, but it's also like, hey, like yeah. this is this is like late game, high level stuff yeah. or severely severely addicted play. <laughs> yeah, no, and it's experts honest, effectively it's awesome, and they incorporated the Final Fantasy mechanics awesomely like the music is really cool like he uses spells um the text from final fantasy 14 will will show up mm -hmm. if you beat it it does duty complete and does they have the chocobo song in it when you right. have to fight a giant chicken it's called nice. a kuluyaku they have moogle costume you can unlock a dragoon costume there's a lot of work in this collaboration on both sides and it's really really awesome and very cool and i'm really glad that we have something that is dif this difficult and challenging but also really fun and interesting and it's really funny to see on reddit and the forums like a bunch of people from final fantasy 14 it's like you understand our pain trying to collaborate with randoms now because it's really <laughs> hard right <laughs> well when you do finally beat it because i know you will I want you to come back and give a play-by-play, -play, like a war-torn story. Mm -hmm. yeah. We'll set some crackling fire. You can give it the whole tale. Uh, but moving on, PlayStation Plus. Yes. There are free games you can get now. Uh, they were not available last week when we recorded uh, online, but now they are available. You can download them for the month of August. They include, I'm going to go through them quickly, and then we'll get to Barrett's diatribe uh, that is coming up. Space Hulk for PlayStation Vita. It's a turn-based tactics game in the Warhammer 40k universe. We gave it a 6.7 when it first released. Uh, Draw Slasher on PlayStation Vita, which is a touch-based game in which you're a ninja saving your family from pirate monkey zombies. Natural. Serious Sam BFE on PS3, which we gave a 7.0. Bound by Flame on PS3, which is a fa fantasy action RPG. We also gave that a 7.0. It's a very good month. Hmm. Additionally, Dead by Daylight is on PS4. That is a 4v1 horror game where one person is playing the killer. The other four are trying desperately to survive. Gotcha. The other PS4 game, Mafia 3, we gave it a 7.5, praising the story, not the gameplay. And before I get there, also for PSVR players, Here They Lie will be available from August 7th to October 2nd. We gave that a 4.8 when it came out. Oh, interesting. And Knowledge is Power, which is a PlayLink game that is one of those you play on your phone, and yep. it's a trivia game like that to you, which is a lot of fun. That's available from for free from August 7th to November 6th. Mm -hmm. hmm. Barrett, tell me about Mafia 3. Hey, uh, Dan, who's producing this, I just want you to put a time code down because uh, I'm about to do a swear. Play Mafia 3. Do it. I know people are going to tell you that the gameplay is repetitive and it's super buggy. I played it at launch, and yeah, it was super buggy, but I've heard that there have been patches since then. But this is legit the best story of this generation. What? Wow. Yeah. I would say that like this is one of those games that I was like, why is this a game that should be a movie? Better mm -hmm. than God of War. I would say, I would, like, God of War <laughs> is very recent, and like question. I do want to go back to Mafia 3 to play it, but I would say this is definitely like top top three stories of this generation. Better than Madden 2019. I know, right? <laughs> Better so, than Kingdom Hearts 3. The premise is if like, if you weren't really paying attention when this launched, I believe, 2016, mm -hmm. uh, you play as Lincoln Clay, who just came back from, I believe, the Vietnam War. Yep. And uh, he is basically in this family, um, I think like a, an adopted family that has uh, mob ties and his entire sort of adopted family is in killed uh, is killed by the Italian mafia, and the entire game is him going on this 
revenge rampage, uh, killing the entire mafia in this sort of made up uh, New Orleans. Yeah, and, and this is a, this is an open world GTA style game yes. for the uninitiated. Uh, it's obviously doesn't take place in 2018 or 2015 like GTA no. did. So the technology, the weapons, the cars, everything gets scaled back to the yeah. era it takes place in. But I think within that, they do a lot of really interesting stuff. I interviewed the devs for this game a bunch of times leading up to launch. Yep. And just being able to sort of call in like ammo trucks at payphones yes. and they're like oh well there was like a earpiece technology back then and like so they they figure out weird ways to work around the fact that you're not nico bellic you can't just flip a phone out in the yeah, air exactly. um, but there's a lot of really cool stuff in here yeah. and i think that like what's really interesting is the way this game plays with race mm. uh, in the way certain characters will interact with your character yes. who i believe definitely- is half black right he is yeah. half black, I believe. Again, it's been a couple. I haven't played since launch, and I do want to go back to play it um, just because, again, the story is so amazing that I think, like, the gameplay isn't bad. It's very generic open-world stuff, and I feel like the sort of the loop is definitely, like, a very generic Ubisoft open-world where, like, mm-hmm. there's different sections of the map, and each section is, like, sort of in control like controlled by like a certain member of the mob and like once you do which enough like stuff, for, for the record like there's been a lot of pushback against that ubisoft tower unlocking thing over the last yeah. few years to me like if it ain't broke don't fix it like exactly. i actually like that stuff in open world it, games it like, became the industry standard for a reason yeah, yes exactly. playing five games like that a year that all take 60 hours to play can be a lot yep but they it was good for a reason people adopted it for to me mafia 3 is like it is a textbook example of why something like PlayStation Plus exists. Exactly. Um, you wouldn't maybe necessarily go out and spend $60 on this game the game the day it came out. Barrett probably did. I did. But, uh, you know, for something else, like, maybe you've been sleeping on this game for a while. You've been telling yourself, like, I want to check it out. It's not a 10 out of 10, but it's still worth playing. Yeah. I would say um, the story is a, a very high 9 for me. Yeah. And then just having the ability to just sort of, like, sync the download on your PlayStation yep. without having to spend a penny for it outside of your annual cost that you're paying already. Um this is a perfect game for a platform like this, you know? It's sort of like when they put the order on here. It's like, yeah. it's, it's you know, maybe not something you'd rush out to buy, but totally worth experiencing, especially as a free download. Yeah, exactly. And uh, just to give a little more premise, like the story is kind of told in a documentary style um, way uh, where they, like at the beginning, it opens up with like interviews of people that you know talking about, like it's like, I think, not modern times, but close of like interviewing some people that are in Lincoln's life. It's the I Tanya video game. Y- yeah, 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 wow. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so they they do it like that, and it's just like one of the most like well presented stories yep. uh, that I've played in the the last few years. So yeah, exactly what Brian was saying. Like this might not have been the game that you wanted to immediately jump out day one and get, but I would say like if you've got PlayStation Plus, get it. Play the the first couple hours at least just to see if the story is is for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I understand I, if the the gameplay gets a little too repetitive. I, I will yeah. say at the very least too. Um, in terms of open world games, like it's not New York or L.A. or one right. of the other or a fantasy world entirely. I mean, this is a completely different setting than really what we've seen in most open world games. Right. So it's I think it's worth exploring and experiencing just for that, and also yeah. the time period and contemporary. And stuff the soundtrack is awesome. Ooh, yeah, soundtrack like is, the yeah. the just driving around this. I forget what they they call this New Orleans um, I think it's New Bordeaux I was gonna say mm-hmm. yeah Bordeaux. and New Marais is infamous uh, yeah. and so just driving around in like late 60s listening to um, 
all along the watchtower and describing it. It just it just felt so cool. There's a lot of really cool like sort of post-Vietnam War classic rock in this game yeah. that just totally fits. I love yeah. that. Uh, that's that's all I had to say. Yeah. So if you want to play Barrett's Game of the Year 2016, <laughs> it's now available for free on PlayStation Plus. Yeah. Uh, something you can't play quite yet, but will in less than a month. Spider-Man on PlayStation 4. I'm so excited. We are very nearing the launch of this game. We have a brand new preview on IGN.com from Andrew Goldfarb, our intrepid executive news editor who also loves Pokemon way too much. Uh, you can read his full preview, see his video preview. Uh, we, he and I had a big conversation about the game. Yeah. But despite all of this new information, there is still there are still a lot of lingering questions about the game. So we don't know the answers to these questions, but we want to speculate. So we have seven questions I want to pose to all of you about Spider-Man. And give me your best educated guesses based on your deep, deep knowledge of Spider-Man and Insomniac games. Mm, mm. First question, I'm going to jump around the list, so don't go by what's on the page. So, who is Spider-Man's mentor? I am actually going by the list on the page right now. Surprise. <laughs> what a twist. Ant-Man. Ant-Man? Ant okay. Ant-May. Ant-May. Oh, Ant I thought you said yeah. Ant-May or Ant-Man. Yeah. No, I well, mean, the, the, <laughs> the, the wise old woman in your life is the most important central character in, in the world for an adolescent. And I think Aunt May is very important to him. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, it's, we assume... I'm probably wrong. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. So oh, you know what? Maybe we're right. Congratulations, Barrett. Do you have any other input? Ant-Man. Ant-Man. <laughs> Perfect. Um, I, I've, I've been thinking about it a lot. And I, I want to say, like, I feel like it's got to be, like, a cool superhero or something like that. But, like, just because they've talked about it a little bit before of, like, He's in the science realm. He's not working at, uh, what's it called? Uh, the Daily Bugle. Daily Bugle. And so I feel like it's got to be someone cool like that, like maybe Tony Stark or, or someone like that that could like be his, like that he's working for. And maybe they don't know he's Spider-Man or something, but like, I, I, I don't know. I feel like that would be a really cool, because like they've teased at Avengers Tower being in the game already and, and, and whatnot. So like, I think... I don't know. I just that would be dope. You can also see the Sanctum Sanctorum, I believe, in one of the trailers, and right. so that this exists in a Marvel world. It is not just a Spider-Man world, yeah. like whatever Sony Pictures is trying to make. Yeah, and I think it would be a smart move if they wanted to do someone like that, just because if they wanted to expand on this universe, maybe not have Insomniac tackle that game, but like have someone else do that game in that universe. Like yeah. I think that would be. Do really you guys cool. think they'll even have some some villains and and. and other characters from other Marvel universes, like things we've seen. I hope so. In like mm. Jessica Jones and Luke Cage. That'd be. I mean, I think we're. I think there will be maybe some you know Netflix street levely Easter eggs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we'll straight up see characters played by the, you know the actors mm -hmm. in, in those shows and movies and stuff like that. But I think there's there will be a ton of Easter eggs in this yeah. game. And the, like Luke Cage has been in Spidey games before mm -hmm. uh, as like sort of helping out with like gang problems in, in Harlem or, or whatnot. I, I don't, I've never been to yeah. New York, so I, I forget. <laughs> Brian, please tell me. I, if, if that I was... mean, Luke Cage is not real, so, <laughs> but, so you're but safe. Har but Harlem, Harlem is a real place. Harlem is a real place. And so is Hell's Kitchen. That's true. Yes. Very real place. Um, and uh, yeah, like Wolverine has been in a Spidey uh, Web of Shadows, yeah. which really annoyed me because Wolverine's thing in that game was... Uh, Hell's Kitchen. I was like, no, but that's Daredevil. Don't right. Do that. Yeah, don't do that. Well, uh, I, recently... I don't think we'll be seeing that now because the way... 
Well, so basically, Fox kidnapped the X Men, and they're <laughs> all off on an island. Right. One day they'll all play together in the yes. globalist monopoly that is whatever happens next with that buyout. But for now, I mean, we're seeing like the Lego Avengers games and stuff like that. They don't really Marvel vs. Capcom stuff like that. You don't really see a lot of the X Men right. showing up and weaving in. I'd love to were, be proven wrong because Wolverine's there no, awesome. Was Wolverine not in the last Marvel vs. Capcom? The newest one? No. Yeah. No. None of the X-Men yeah. were. No. Yeah. What? Right. Yeah. People were livid about that. <laughs> yep. Justifiably I'm so. Also <laughs> late on that anger, anger train. Hell's Kitchen uh, in Daredevil, very different from Hell's Kitchen now in modern day New York. Yeah. Hell's Kitchen I imagine pretty so. nice. Yeah. Uh, anyway. I stayed there. It was good. Yeah. There's a pizza shop open until four in the morning on the bottom of my building. But did you it's see a, a man dressed as a devil wa- flying around at night? I saw a lot of very attractive men going to bars. <laughs> oh, okay. That's yep. That is Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> right? uh, moving night on. Devil. On a similar note of what we've been talking about, do you think there will be other heroes, and if so, who might they be? Barrett, obviously, you think possibly Tony Stark could be in this. Yes. So Iron Man mm-hmm. might have some sort of cameo. Casey, Brian, do you think anyone else from the? I would love to be able to fly around that city as Iron Man. That'd yeah. be super cool. Just wait for Anthem. And then that's true. Yeah. 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 Iron Man's book. That's true. Actually, yeah, I'll make like a yellow and red Anthem and just be an Iron Man. <laughs> do you think anyone might be in there, Casey? Or do you think it'll be like the street level? Yeah. Maybe Daredevil, Luke Cage sort of thing? Yeah. yeah. Another one I want to do, just like thinking of like sort of C-list heroes, like Moon Knight, I think would be dope. Mm-hmm. Or just like really weird ones that like do like a team up for like a mission or something and then they go off and do do their thing. Like I think... It would be cool to see a lot of that kind of stuff. It would be cool to see some heroes that hasn't haven't been in the spotlight at all to yeah. kind of maybe test interest. Yeah, and in like a new they're character. doing the cloak and dagger series, so it would be cool to like see if like they pop in at all. Just to, if they're trying to as a brand make cloak and dagger like a bigger thing. The Runaways ran away to Insomniac Spider Man. Thank you. Yeah. Moving on, <laughs> how uh, this is a question sort of based off one of the observations of uh, IGN UK's Gav Murphy. How do all those backpacks stay up there? for all this time so throughout the city Spider-Man has left uh, backpacks that he webbed to the walls where he would hide his suit his school backpacks they're all still there and he's going back to collect them some of them have been there for years I mean have you guys well you haven't but in New York City regularly usually to indicate where uh, drugs are being sold yeah. not like I bought them there <laughs> um, he went pe- to New Jersey for that yeah people would tie their shoelaces together on old shoes and throw them up over like a uh, like a, a That's what that means? Oh yeah. yeah. That's like a drug deal thing. I'm going to get what? shot for snitching now. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, had totally. no idea. That's a thing mm-hmm. in Cleveland too. I thought they were just yep. those are just children disrespecting their parents' money by oh. throwing their well, shoes. Well, bo- both. <laughs> both. But it's so inc- there are some drug dealers that got confused every exactly. once in a while. <laughs> but it's actually incredibly difficult to get those things down without getting the fire department or a highly trained squirrel. So, which <laughs> or Spider-Man. Die. Or Spider-Man. Yeah. So I think that justifies that. Um, there's also dollar stores all over uh, Manhattan, yeah. so it's very easy to get a cheap backpack. But yeah. will that cheap backpack actually be waterproof because I have done numerous testings of backpacks and the answer is no do you really <laughs> do <laughs> backpack tests do you go home and just hose down backpacks <laughs> I, mean, I, have to, I have line. to make sure that when i'm traveling my the things inside my backpack will not get destroyed because i have important things in there gotcha i'll Monster put it this way saves. in a universe yes. where a man can turn into sand 
This is low on the thing on the list of things to worry about. They have but it is interesting though, because in the game they talk about they've shown like like his webs dissolve, and that's like a thing in the Spider-Man lore. Yes, Brian. But then all of these backpacks after eight years, the webs are still there. And answer my next riddle. How do those web. webs disappear but the others stay? Um Long answer, uh, they are biodegradable, all-natural, organic, organic uh, con conflict-free webs. Short answer, um, PS4 memory issues. <laughs> uh, Force them to make them disappear off after gotcha, a little while. Gotcha. One day we'll get a video game where everyone you kill in that video game will just have their bodies rotting out in perpetuity forever. But in the meantime, they disappear. Okay. Asked and answered. Uh, moving on. What do we want out of the Mary Jane levels? So Andrew got to see one of the Mary Jane levels in action. It's essentially a stealth-based sort of thing. This was only the first level, so we don't know the extent of her uh, activity in the game. Mm -hmm. So there may be more to it. There may be some... She may have a gun at some point. Who knows? Yeah. I, would, do a I would love to see some sort of like Jade from Beyond Good and Evil or Pokemon Snappy sort of like photo sort of photo detective stuff mm -hmm. where it's like stealthy but also you have to set up perfect shots and you can share those or um, bring them back and snitch. Yeah. They, yeah, they get <laughs> judged like and Yeah. Yeah. She's working for the Daily Bugle in this game and you can as Spider-Man there is sort of a photograph landmark token thing so that would that would work pretty well. Yeah. I would say like I don't want it to feel Forced, I would say, like the more I hear about the Mary Jane missions, like the less I'm sold on them, mm -hmm. just because it, like, you might be able to like go back and forth between her and Spidey, and like it, it, I like I don't want her to feel like a a weird addition to the gameplay, um, right? Because if if she does feel jarring compared to what the rest of the game is, like I feel like people might start to like, oh, the Mary Jane stuff sucks or whatever. Like, no, it'll. Ironically, slow the game to a crawl. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm also kind of <laughs> worried about that because I feel like they have to go above and beyond with beyond. Mary Jane beyond. segments. Mm -hmm. <laughs> God damn. Um, for them to be recepted well. Yeah. Because I feel like from what you described, I, a sneaky photo mode yep. is very different from swinging around the city with webs yes so they would have Definitely. to be the gameplay would have to be really gripping and really good and mm -hmm. really hook people for them to not dread Mary that Jane part of missions. the game yeah i mean pacing is an incredibly important part of of modern video games especially open world games and when you're suddenly forced to do a bunch of stuff that you know feels very slow and tedious compared to everything else that's going to break the flow a lot and honestly i this is bizarre, but I haven't. I've read every preview for this game on every website, and um, not all of them. A every lot. All of the games. Yeah, that was like a very sites. Donald Trump thing. <laughs> I read all the previews on every website. Spider Man's the number one game. Um, I uh, I haven't read a lot of or really much at all negative or, or, or connotations or criticism about this game. Mm -hmm. um, and now that you mention that, Casey, that feels like that could be the first thing that sort of creeps in yeah. if that's the way they handle it. So. Yeah, um, that's definitely something they'll have to balance perfectly. It'll be interesting, yeah. I think yeah. they, I, I trust Insomniac to a large degree, given their pedigree, but mm -hmm. those missions, if they are going to be drastically different, do need to earn their place in a game where you can swing around Manhattan as Spider-Man. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. Moving on to the next question, what other characters could be playable, and how should their levels work if they're a little different like Mary Jane? Anyone have any? Aunt May, because she works at that, uh, that, Food for homeless people thing? The food shelter? Yeah, the As food shelter, known? and you make food. 
and it's like a cook it. It's like overcooked. Oh man, Aunt May. That won't slow the game to a crawl at all. <laughs> Everyone loves when a seventy-year-old woman does cooking. <laughs> um, that and also obviously Miles Morales. I think right. I think you should play as him at one point. I don't know like for how long. If it's like just twenty minutes or if it's like a huge chunk of the game, but I think he should have a different feel to Peter. I think there's um there's the opportunity to sort of introduce morph ball style sections that are more indoor and kind of tunnely and puzzly. Yeah. Um, where you have a character crawling through vents and interacting with things on a smaller scale. A lot of the stuff we've seen so far is so grand and sweeping and swinging all over the city but there will be interior sections and I hope puzzles yeah. and like levels and stages where you're interacting with stuff on sort of like a smaller sort of vent level so yeah. I think there's an opportunity there to, to assign one character to something like that and if Aunt May needs to escape for mm -hmm. a cigarette for a break mm -hmm. she can escape through the yeah vents. well like <laughs> during the middle of the overcooked two level of Aunt May <laughs> yeah. Yeah. we'll have her crawl through a vent yep. and, yeah. yep. we've come up with a great game idea here I don't what Everyone you, loves food prepared by a woman who steps away to smoke <laughs> constantly. What do you yep. guys think about possibly playing as a villain? Mm. I like it. I love it. I like it a lot. Yeah. Which villain would you want to play as? Hmm. So on the Goblin would be cool to fly around yeah. as. That's what I was thinking too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I feel like Dr. Octopus, if they can really nail the mechanics of what it's like to scale a building, like would be yeah. super awesome. And grab awesome. stuff from really far away yeah. and throw it at things. That would be really cool. Like imagine cool. running down the street and just grabbing three NPCs and then climbing up the <laughs> side of a oh, bank yeah. and ripping the thing open. It's weird because him just as a character, not even thinking in like gameplay wise, just looks and feels really clunky. Mm -hmm. So it would be interesting to see how they would be able to translate that to gameplay to not make it like that. I right. can see that there's obviously a similarity between Spider-Man and him in terms of how those things I would imagine would translate to gameplay. But yeah. yeah, I agree with you. I'd be curious to see how they handle more of like a tankish character if he ends up being in the game. Yeah. Uh, as he has not been actually confirmed in oh. any yeah. of the trailers. There's been speculation. Yeah. There's like that weird interview or whatever where they like someone might have leaked him or whatever. But yeah, yeah he, he seems like such point. a big character to not have probably at some Yeah, and especially since they're teasing the or they're building up the Sinister Six and he was the original uh, pr like leader of the, the Sinister Six. So, yeah. Last but not least, what D-list villains will show up or would you like to have show up? So uh, like the worst of the worst of Rogue's Gallery for Spider-Man. Who's showing up? find the name of them. Okay. I have one or two. Frogman. Yes. Hell yes. Yeah. So when I was a kid, I went to New York. I, I lived very near New York City and my both my parents were teachers there. So I went into a comic book store in New York. My dad was like, you can buy any comic you want. And I was like, I love Spider-Man. And that month, Spider-Man was having just a weird month. You know, it was like a filler episode. And he was fighting these dudes you can't even really see. They're just called the Frogmans. And it's just like a dude in, like, underwear who I think is a, a human frog, but they look like like weird. So it's like what happened to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but a, yeah, frog. But a frog. But it's just yeah. a suit? Yeah. What? Yeah. yeah. Why? And, it's, it's, and they have springs on their feet. It's so stupid. It's so goofy. It's so vintage like you know or si kind of gold you know 90s era comic book yeah i would love to have a, like a mission where you just have to beat up a bunch of these guys and he's kind of like who are these people <laughs> yeah there's my I'd answer be down for that i would want uh out of sheer laziness the iguana okay so uh the lizard doc mm -hmm. connor when he was trying to get rid of the lizard dna he tried experimenting on his pet iguana and it caused the iguana to be formed the iguana is basically just the lizard 
but it was an iguana <laughs> who has like gained sentience. Did he turn into a man? No, he turned into <laughs> a larger, gross iguana. iguana. So is he still but quadruped evil. or bipedal? I believe iguana. he's bipedal. Like he can kind of adjust as okay. needed, but I believe he can stand up on two of his legs. Wait a minute. So yeah. Spider-Man's so fucking dumb. <laughs> so the so the lizard was a, a scientist, a science teacher that turned into a half lizard, half man, and the iguana is a full normal iguana mm-hmm. that turned into a man iguana, manguana, iguana. Yeah. Do you think the animals who gain sentience like regret all of the terrible, disgusting things they did while they're animals? Probably. They remember that? So. It's yeah. like oh, I killed my tank man and then I ate him. Yeah. Like, yeah. I've just been licking this glass for two years. What's going on? Eternal PTSD. Yeah, that sounds terrifying. The original, I've been reading the old Spider-Man comics, and there is uh, the introduction of the lizard, is they go to Florida, the Everglades, Uh and he's hiding out there where he's experimenting. A realistic place where a human-sized iguana would live. And there there are actually a lot of iguanas all over the place down there because people like to get pets and illegally release them into the wild and destroy the ecosystems. Great. Um, Go Florida. Good job. Florida. Very upset about Florida right now. Mm-hmm. There's stuff going down. Don't like it. That is a. Uh, every time I read an insane news story, I always play the game. Uh, is it Florida? <laughs> and it almost always is. Yeah. Uh, Love there, you, Florida. There's a villain from the Ultimate Spider-Man comic series, and I'm I'm blanking on his name. He's sort of similar to Shocker almost, but he's got these guns that basically like put hella vibrations in you to the point that like you kind of freeze and he was like sort of treated as like the like the dumbest villain like whenever like Peter was having a bad day and would dress up as Spider-Man would go and just like mess with this dude who like whenever he was like robbing a bank he was like this ongoing joke throughout the entire series so I'd love just like a a tiny mission where you go and like beat him up and make fun of him and and whatnot. (laughs) It sounds like Spider-Man's being a bully. No like the guy was like doing crimes crimes and stuff but he he was just like such he was so bad at it that like Spidey would just like always like go into him about it and then he actually becomes like kidnaps Spidey at one point near the end of the end of the run and actually becomes very terrifying. It's one of those smart things where they kept like weaving him in and out the entire like kind of in the background. Spider-Man bullied him so much that he just (laughs) became completely enraged with the revenge and just went after Spider-Man. It was really terrible and Mary Jane had to had to save him. So we do that. We make that mission and that'll be one of Mary Jane levels. Yeah. Boom. That could be some DLC we can make. (laughs) IGN made DLC. This sounds great. I'm very happy. Thank you all so much for answering these questions that we have lingering about Spider-Man. Thank There's you. nothing I love more than answering completely stupid questions about Spider-Man. Perfect. That's what I live for. But Brian, how long do the webs stay webs and when do they dissolve? Until you get to the next area and the PS4 memory forgets. <laughs> we interrupt this program to bring you a brief message from Hims, a new wellness brand for men. Here's a not-so-fun fact. 66% of men lose their hair by age 35, and by the time you start to notice hair loss, it's usually too late. It's generally easier to keep the hair that you have than to replace the hair that you've lost, so why not do something about it? 4 is a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, sexual wellness, and other stuff like that that might be embarrassing to deal with in person. Luckily with Hims, there's no waiting room, no awkward doctor's visits, and you can save plenty of time by just going to a website. Hims connects you with real doctors and gives you medical-grade solutions to treat hair loss and other possibly embarrassing problems. And this isn't snake oil pills or gas station counter supplements either. These are well-known generic equivalents to name-brand prescriptions to help you keep your hair. Thanks to science, baldness can be optional. 
If this sounds like it would help you out, order now. Our listeners get a trial month of hymns for just five bucks today, right now, while supplies last. See the website for full details, but this would cost hundreds of dollars if you went to the doctor or to a pharmacy. So just go to forhymns.com slash beyond. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash beyond. Once again, that's forhymns.com slash beyond. Thanks for listening, and now back to the show. We're back with John Borba has joined us. What's up, guys? How are you doing, John? I'm hanging in there. Hey, John. It's weird to call you John, not Borba. That's Borba. Yeah, can, trying everyone to, can call me Borba. Trying to be professional, but that it's not. Right. Yeah, it doesn't work. Don't be professional. You're here because we're talking about board games. Yes. Video game board games. Surprisingly. To be exact. Sony's new platform, The Table. Yes. This is a PlayStation <laughs> podcast. Why would we ever talk about board games on this show? Because, because. we're talking about Sony board games. Ah. Sort of. And sort because of. Gen Con happened. Yes. Uh, so I went to Gen Con uh, last week, and I saw a lot of games, and two of them were specifically Sony properties. Um, One of them was Horizon Zero Dawn, which we don't have a lot about. I had a meeting with a bunch of the designers behind closed doors beforehand, and we learned a lot about the mechanics of what that game is. And then the other one that I did get to play, uh, both were from the same company, Steamforge. And the other one I got to play was Resident Evil 2, which was very impressive. I expected it to not be very good, and it was by far a uh, game of the show for me. So to clarify, you went hands-on with two yet-to-be-released board games based on so video games. games. Yes. Well, I went hands-on with one. I uh, got to talk to the designers about the other one and see models and um, 3D renders and stuff beforehand. So Okay. Um, Let's touch first on Horizon then, since that's yeah. the one you didn't have as much yes. hands-on time with. So this is, it takes all of the actual dinosaur robots from Horizon, makes them awesome miniatures. Yes. Uh, they showed a bunch of those off, at least the in-progress work designed to those. And some of them are massive. Yeah, Could like, you at least tell I me heard, a little bit? I heard the Thunderjaw was like a foot long. Yeah, maybe maybe even a little bit more. Um, it was definitely maybe eight to 12 inches high and extremely detailed. Um, they were all covered in primer, so I couldn't see them as their print version, um, but they also weren't painted. So um, it was really nice to get a look at those. I got to, to touch them, and which they were very hesitant about at first, <laughs> but uh, they had them in a glass case, and originally they told, them, told us that we couldn't take them out of the case, that we had to photograph them in the case, but as soon as we showed up at their booth, there was just a guy that was like, hey, you want to take these out and <laughs> take some pictures? So uh, I got to hold a bunch of them. Um, the cool thing about it is that the, game, the mechanics of the game are very based around the idea of the hunt. There is a narrative. Um, mm-hmm. There is going to be episodes, but you're going to run into characters from the game. Um, and they gave some examples like Aaron. Um, and they led me to believe that you would be running into Aloy. Um, I was going to ask, you're not playing as like four different Aloys. You are playing as, as unnamed characters. The story is kind of happening. <clears throat> Some before the end of Horizon, some after. It's a little bit of a tertiary story. Uh, and you you get this dynamic of hunting these big monsters. What, what those objectives are and stuff, I don't know yet. Um, but the mechanics are very much working as a team with different strengths. Uh, you know, it's a class-based system, from what I can tell, um, to bring down these big robo-beasts. And it's a co-op game, but you're competing for points. Yes, that is an optional version that is how the game is initially supposed to be played. It's how it was communicated to me, but it's very easily removable, and mm-hmm. they know that a lot of people will want to play as buddies instead of um, you know, as a team or competitively. So what is, it, what is the sort of like gameplay purpose of having such a like large-scale miniature model of one of the robot dinosaurs? Like, Can you climb it? 
Can you uh, attack it? Is it just does it just look cool? I, I think that you're working on a grid. Most board games like this, you work on a hex-based board, and the amount of room they take up limits your strategic options in the game. Got it. So okay. If if you're fighting a Thunderjaw and it takes up half the board, you are limited in where you can move and where the environment or the terrain on the board will impact you, just like it would in Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah, yeah, totally. And it, that, that's so really interesting. It's the kind of board setup, kind of like D and D. So you have a large figure that takes up that many squares. Yes. Um, I haven't had it confirmed that it is a hex-based system, but I do okay. know that that the different creatures and uh, the way that you interact with them is different for each one, just like it is in the game. So it translates into you have to strategically maneuver around this thing and use your abilities as a group to try to bring things down. Um, there were other creatures that we did not see and we did not get models of that were hinted at that uh, maybe were not robot dinosaurs, mm-hmm. um, but... You don't get a lot of that in the game, so I was kind of surprised to hear that because unless you're integrating those two things into the same battle, the strategic value of a Thunderjaw is way bigger than the strategic value of you know what I assume is like a bandit. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing that they are working on that had me most excited is removable parts from the models. So just like in the game, when you blow off part of a Thunderjaw, you can turn around, pick that thing up, and use it to shoot the thing. Oh, that so, rules. That's really cool. Um, that has not been finished yet. That okay. is something yeah. that they are working on. But picking up those things might be something as you remove it from the model and you place it on the side and then you add something to your card. Mm-hmm. Or it might be something where they find a way to attach it to your miniature. And everything in this game is to scale. So you look at a character and it's maybe bigger than the size of a quarter and you look at a Thunderjaw and it's a foot tall. <laughs> um, and they have explanations that are like, they, so the, the most interesting thing about this to me was they were working with Gorilla on this before the game was ever released or announced. So Sony was committed to this property well before it ever came out, and so was Steamforge. Just because you know there was so much at stake, they didn't know if this new IP was really going to play out, and sure. they were already developing a whole another media worth of property for it. Yeah, so... Do they have a lot of the gameplay systems then integrated into the gameplay based on what they told you? Like the the game itself to me is so system heavy and obviously you have these options of whether you're going to use a bow and arrow or these traps or these trip mines or so many variables that you can have. Is that integrated into what you're able to do on these hunts? Um, I What I would speculate uh, based on the conversation I had with them is yeah. a lot of those systems are going to be kind of divided between different characters. So things people will be specialized in different things. You will have um, somebody like Aaron who is a very big melee person who will walk in and beat something with a hammer. Um, you have people that, that love to explode things and turn them, you know, light them on fire. Um, and then you have characters that will attack from afar, you know, mm-hmm. and that was – that divvies up the play style. Like one of my favorite things about Horizon Zero Dawn was that you could just be right in something's face, mm-hmm. or you could, you know, play at range and and try to avoid and just dive everywhere you went. You sneaky um, archer. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think what they're going to do to try to represent that is divide it among classes so that okay. you can choose which role you want to play. Was there a, any other board game that they compared it to, or not that, not that they compared it to? And uh, I have a pretty in-depth knowledge of tabletop, and I would say that. I haven't really seen anything that really works quite like this, especially with you know taking pieces off of a model and gaining completely uh, new ability set based on what you pick up. Yeah. Um, it it does feel like Steamforge really understood the spirit of what Resident Evil, or <laughs> we'll get to that. What Horizon is, um, because of the way that they implemented 
you know, the things that they talked about with narrative and design, supporting those things, and then um, really coming together to be kind of the master of the hunt. Uh, but I'm I'm really interested to see how the narrative plays out because they were very hush hush about it. Yeah, yeah. And so that one's going to be kickstarted. Actually, they're going to have a Kickstarter. Yeah. For so that one, it's a nebulous release date right now. Yeah. There's no exact release date. Cool. I want to know about the Resident Evil game. Also, okay. Because you seem super excited about this. Resident Evil. Oh, Resident Evil is a game that is very, very, very near and dear to my heart. Uh, the the first, the remake of the first Resident Evil is my favorite game ever. Um. And I was very hesitant going into this demo uh, about how they were going to handle it. And I was completely blown away. And, and not only me, who's like a huge Resident Evil fan, but uh, Tom Marks played with me as well from IGN. And he walked away from the game being like, this is one of the coolest board games I've ever played. And he has no frame of reference really for Resident Evil. And so it was enough where, he, you know, there was enough there where it didn't just feel like fan service. It felt like it was well-designed. Mm -hmm. um, there are so many things in this game that are awesome. And the main thing is that it just gives you this, like, low-key sense of dread that is just perfectly on brand with Resident Evil. Like, you're hesitant to, to do anything. And at any moment, you're ready for something to happen. Uh, like, every, at the end of everyone's turn, you draw from a deck... Uh, of tension cards and the the graphic on the back of the card is the slowly opening door that's the loading screen in oh the my original God. Resident Evil games. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, resources come very limited. You play characters that feel very frail um, and you're constantly terrified, especially like we sat down and I was like, those are zombie dogs. That's a liquor. Those are walkers. Oh my God, I'm really going <laughs> to play this. <laughs> right. Um, but the Sherwin Matthews, the main designer, is the guy who did our demo and he blew my mind with the amount of dedication and knowledge that he had about Resident Evil 2 to the point where like I wish Chloe was there mm -hmm. <laughs> because Chloe is such a huge uh Resident Evil fan that you know I just immediately when we were done I was just uh, messaging her on Twitter just being like this is the best board game I've ever played <laughs> as far as that goes um but he has just a diehard sense of the game um one of the first things that he said that when I sat down I was like okay this is real is he said this is not a game where you can kill everything this is a game where you have to completely limit your resources. You have to try to evade combat. Otherwise, you're just going to get destroyed. And Tom, hearing that, made a face that was like, oh, I don't get to kill a bunch of zombies. But I was like, exactly. Yeah, that's Resident Evil. Yeah. Um, so this is specifically um, modeled around Resident Evil 2, right? So you're in the police station. You're in downtown Raccoon City. Like, How sort of expansive do the environments get in terms of what we remember from the video game and the upcoming remake? So... Uh, the most interesting thing to me is that Sherwin Matthews, the guy who was the designer who we sat down and talked to, he was telling me that when they initially got word that they had received this property, he was sitting in a pub. He pulled grab, uh, graph paper out of his bag and started redrawing maps of the game uh, on grid paper by memory. Uh, <laughs> so that's, that's the level of translation here. And there's and a lot of passion that yes. went into mm -hmm. it. But, I mean, it's nearly a one-to-one. -one. We walked down uh, one of the initial hallways in the game, and these prehensile arms came out and grabbed us, and we were stuck there for a minute, and we had to spend the time to get out. You know, it, it is so great. We only got to see two um, scenarios, one which we played and one which the table next to us was playing. The other one was one where you return to, I think it seems Milton. I've already forgotten it, probably because I'm sitting on camera. But uh, the gentleman who gets bitten in the police station and you return to him and that's the mission that they were playing. We were trying to get into the star's office in the Raccoon City Police Department. So we had and, – and true to Resident Evil, you get an objective with no idea how to resolve it. Right. So 
you have to walk around in this police station and and look for shiny objects. That's where you tell where items are that you can find um, and turn them over and draw from a deck and say, okay, I got the keys, the spade key, which will get me into this room, which hopefully will have the key to the raccoon city police department office within stars. So so the, the police station is just as sort of stupidly laid out as it is in the video game. Yeah, the interesting thing to me, too, is that when you play multiple characters, you start in different areas. Oh, cool. Um, so me and Tom were on completely different ends, and he was drawing cards that could affect me from across the room. The other thing that is terrifying about this game is uh, you have a limited number of actions in each turn, and one of those actions requires you to open a door, and another action requires you to close a door. So if you do not close a door behind you and you make noise, you shoot a gun or whatever... Things will move towards you. Ooh. Wow. Um, and That's like super interesting. Yeah. I feel like board games in general, or at least ones like this, feel like a weird cross-section or somewhere between action figures and video games. Mm-hmm. Like they, they're tangible, but they also have rules. Um, that's like super interesting to hear that because I don't know, like we grew up with video game board games like based on like Pac-Man and Donkey Kong and Mario, and they were basically just crappy repaints of shoots and ladders. Yeah. <laughs> so hearing something like this is like so fascinating um, when is when when is this out? So uh, the Kickstarter is done. Kickstarter uh, people who kickstarted this game should be receiving it around Christmas time. Um, it should be in retail, hopefully at the beginning of the year. Um, I am heavily pushing them to send us a copy so that we can show you guys what it looks like and yeah. mm-hmm. uh, stuff beforehand. But you know, this is one of I've played other translations of you know video to tabletop games before and. The biggest problem for me is they they feel like somebody had a great idea and they skinned it with this other game. This is something that is built from the ground up. And I know that Steamforge is a company that's had some controversy in the past about the way that they've dealt with Dark Souls, the board game, for example. But I cannot say enough about this game, about how I feel like it's kind of revolutionary in the way that people should make games and translate these things is that uh, you should be building mechanics that feel representative of the game and not trying to just translate a theme onto something that somebody else already made it, money on. Mm-hmm. It's nice to hear that there's like a complexity to this game, but one that feels true to the series, yes. especially as a fan. Uh, I was that. genuinely uncomfortable the entire time that I played it. Do you think this possibly opens a door for like The Last of Us board game or God of War? I... Uh, I would love to see a Last of Us board game. Um, I know that there are whisperings of companies already potentially working on earning a license. Um, Ooh. For God of War, There's, I think there are many vying for it. Um, sure. I don't know how well that one's going to translate because it is such a narrative-heavy game. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's going to be something that just takes a slice out of what God of War is and says we're going to give you that element of the game. I mean, I don't know if you're just going to fight Valkyries and it's a 20, 30-minute game. Personally, one of the things that I love about Resident Evil is that it does kind of give you the narrative of the game. Right. Um, But I do think that if we raise the standard this high on a licensed game that people will really care about, you're only going to get better quality video. Others will have to match it. Yeah. Well, that's really awesome to hear. Uh, All of your other great Gen Con coverage is on IGN.com right now. You and Tom did a phenomenal job covering that show, just the two of you. Uh, So there are a lot of other awesome board games to talk about, but we only had time for those two. We're now going to turn to Rapid Fire. All right. A few (laughs) questions from the fans. Uh, These questions come from facebook.com slash groups slash podcast beyond the lovely group of beyond fans who gather to talk about everything. If you haven't joined them already, please do. Uh, The first question comes from Jalen Matthews. Really wanted to get something very topical for our first question. So uh, Jalen asks, what's your favorite pasta noodle? (laughs) Um. I think udon noodles. 
are my favorite. That what? That's yeah. cheating. Why is that cheating? Yeah, well, yeah. It's noodle, still noodle, but not pasta, pasta right? Wait, say. really? Yeah. Noodle, but not pasta. What's the difference? Uh, kind of where in the world it comes from. Yeah. And then, Someone and then define kind of what the pasta noodle is made for me. Uh, pasta is usually made from semolina flour. Um, okay. Often has an egg. Okay. Um, and udon doesn't do either of those things. Well, um, it can be it can be a wheat noodle. <laughs> Both of them can be a wheat noodle, but pasta in general tends to come from Europe. And noodles, mm. noodles and tend to come okay. more from Asia. This knowledge comes right. from not the fact that you have a weird pasta obsession or anything. But <laughs> uh, I mean, I do. I yeah. do have a weird pasta obsession, but I was, I was a chef. The thing okay. to answer this question. No, I completely trust you. Are, Thank you for correcting me. I'm wrong. Okay. Udon is not a noodle. You heard it here. It's not a pasta. It is Udon not a pasta, is not a pasta. It is a, it is a noodle. So yeah. all. Pasta? No, that's not true. All squares are rect. Is that all pastas? Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say all pastas are noodles, but that's not true because there's like lasagna pasta sheets, that's and that's a not. A, yeah, that's is that, that's a, noodle? that that's a noodle. It's, it's, a, sheet. it's a pasta sheet. It's a that's like a noodle. Yeah. yeah, it's a sheet. It's like but a paper. It's still qualifies <laughs> as a noodle. Noodles are weird. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's, so it's, what's it's, the definition of a noodle? I have no idea how to answer that question. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, for me, there's a lot of caveats on how to answer this question. Like, is ravioli a noodle? Uh, I, I would consider ravioli a dumpling. Damn. Wow. <laughs> um, crazy. I don't want to be the authority on that call, though. Sure. Uh, for me, like if I had to pick one universally, it would probably be fusilli. Um, the best thing about pasta, and if you want to say noodles, is um, determining surface area yep. to whatever you want it on. Um, and fusilli is great for, like, if you just have a great sauce, cover it in whatever you want. What it really th- grabs that sauce. What yes, is that? Basically. It's just like Fusilli is like the spiral one. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. okay. So um, it's like it's like an edible staircase that gets filled with sauce. Yes. It's great. It's just an app- yeah. yeah, it's an apparatus yeah. to, to carry your sauce mm-hmm. for you. Whereas like you look at something like rigatoni where if it's like overcooked, I'm very Italian if you couldn't tell. <laughs> what? Um it will either like slide right through or slide right off of it. Mm-hmm, um yeah. and so rigatoni has to be a little more al dente so it kind of like has these like keeps the grooves. Yeah, the yeah. grooves and yeah. they fill with tiny bits of sauce or you can use it as like kind of a tube to scoop up meat sauce and stuff like that that's a good one since we have two pasta experts on the panel (laughs) uh i wanted to ask uh trader joe's used to have this pasta that was it was essentially spaghetti but it was spirally like fusilli i think you're uh, referring to trader giotto's excuse me yes (laughs) yes they're the brother of joe let's just start a podcast on how racist names on from trader joe's are yeah they really get into that it's weird they're like it's trader jose's tostitos and you're like that's that's, that's a little on those that's just yeah that's a modello you reskin yeah that's not (laughs) uh does that specific type of spaghetti have a name that you might know of uh not that i am aware of but honestly there are so many different types of pasta in the world that uh, people come up with new ones like every day spaghetti alone there's like a whole bunch of different ones depending on thickness and thinness Mm -hmm. and flatness like like angel hair yeah i will say that like spaghetti seems like like a cheap children's food for like idiots at an italian (laughs) restaurant but there are you can actually go to a high-end italian restaurant and order spaghetti yes yeah and it's like some of the best stuff you've ever had like they'll make it from scratch and they make a special sauce for it there's a restaurant here in the city called delfina yeah. It makes the best spaghetti They're, I've ever had. With bolognese sauce, right? Yeah, Not just tomato sauce. Yeah, it's yeah, and it's it's really well done. Um, so, but it's also on the children's menu mostly. So <laughs> it's well, the, the cool the thing about about it. spaghetti too is it kind of does the thing that fusilli can't, which is that it gathers. Mm-hmm. So when you get a fork full of spaghetti, you have 
a nest of sauce or whatever it is yep. buried in there. So like I love specifically spaghetti with like a real light sauce and then seafood because it will grab all of the flavors mm. of whatever you're eating and pop it in. But yep. I don't think we were meant to spend this no, long. No, on this was question. this was so much more in depth than I could have hoped <laughs> for, and I'm, <laughs> I am so happy about it. Uh, moving on to the next question though, Yair Donan asks if you had a measurement unit named after you, what would it measure, and what would one unit consist of? I thought about this long and hard, but I don't know if I want to be the first to go. So Just do it. None of uh, us thought, have thought about this at all. Uh, <laughs> one bushel of Dornbush, a bushel of Dornbush. It's a Dornbushel. Yeah, a Dornbushel uh, would consist of 23 minutes of someone talking to you about Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> That's all I got. I measure that in years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think a Borba is a volume measurement. Okay. Um, I listen to metal and I'm very loud. So. That's good. It almost sounds like decibels or something like <laughs> yeah. that. I like that a lot. Decibels. <laughs> Casey? Man, Brian? I don't know. I'd say maybe a unit of Casey is how many monsters are catchable <laughs> Sure. any given thing that you're doing. Um, <laughs> I think like I, I would use my facial hair to measure stubbles, which would be a measurement of time, like a 5 o'clock shadow almost. So you could be like, oh, he's got four. He's at a four stubble today. So I'm like, I'm like 900. You're, yeah. <laughs> you're like years, you're like the rings of the tree. <laughs> Last sure. but not least, Rich LaCara asks, do any of you guys play Dungeons and Dragons? And if so, what edition? I thought this would be a good question given some of the members on the panel. Brian. Nope, never no. once. Moving on. Casey. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been playing for about four years now. I've been playing fifth edition um, I've had three different characters. I'm currently playing an Aarakocra assassin rogue, and it's a lot of fun. I'm a Those sneaky a archer. Cool words together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. And Aarakocra is a, a bird person. <laughs> That's racist. Don't say that. Aarakocra. <laughs> um. <laughs> Borba, what about you? Uh, I do not play D and D. I have played some pen and paper role playing games. I played Edge of the Empire, which is a Star Wars one, uh, and that was awesome. I was a shattered fan that was addicted to drugs and loved working on computers. So. Um, I've I've dabbled a little bit in other role playing games, but that was the one that I was probably dedicated to. And his name was an anagram for Bruce Wayne. Perfect. So. What was the your, name? Your character was addicted to drugs. Yes. Okay. There's <laughs> yeah, a lot to unpack there. You just blew past that. I was like, I want to hear about this <laughs> weird dark time in your life. <laughs> really into the Star Wars pen and paper game. Super into heroin. <laughs> the big two in my life and right computers. Now. <laughs> so Jonathan, hi. Tell us about. Yeah, I well, that's why I wanted to bring this up since I knew you'd be on. Uh, I've been playing. D and D for the first time uh, in a campaign with you. Uh, we've been playing for like four months or so. Yeah, uh, I am playing a half elf warlock. That's on brand. Yeah, uh, <laughs> name who I didn't really formulate him until a little bit into the game, but I essentially realized his characteristic was that he's essentially he's very high in charisma, so he is like super good looking to everyone. So he's essentially Count Olaf if Count Olaf was good at his job, oh. uh, is what he does. But he also can like throw magic missiles and stuff. Uh, his name is Brayod, which came from we were passing Panera Bread, and I needed a character name, and I thought, what if you said bread weird? And that's yeah, Brayad. There's an apostrophe in there, so it looks elvish, and that's okay. how I came up with my character. It's been pretty fun. It's very I've fun. been enjoying it. Yeah. Nice work. It's a good time. I highly recommend D D to everyone. It's a great time. It's the best game because you can do literally anything you want. And if your DM always tells you no, they're a bad DM and you wow. can't play with them anymore. Nice. It should sure. always be yeah. a yes or a yes but. It's like improv. Or a no but. It should never be just no. 
I That's feel my like, advice for D&D I players. feel like you brought the board game guy on, and then you were just like, let's just go all the way down. Oh, here. yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and given all of this discussion about board games and D&D, this has been, yet again, an incredible episode of the PlayStation podcast here at IGN. IGN Beyond. Postacast Beyond. <laughs> oh, and if you are interested in D&D, um, Divinity Original Sin 2 comes out at the end of the month on consoles, which is basically D&D in a video game. Yes, very excited for that. There you go. Brought it back around. Perfect. Consoles. Finally. We ended on a good <laughs> note. Okay. Thank you all so much for being here for episode 554. Brian, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Nintendo Voice Chat and Up at Noon and also on Twitter at Agent Bizzle. And Casey, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at ChinaKCD. And Borba, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at, at @borbsauce, and then you can check out all yep. the Gen Con coverages, ign.com slash game slash tabletop. Perfect. And I am at Jam Dornbush on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me talking about Spyro, Kingdom Hearts, and just those two things on those platforms. Thank you all so much for joining. Don't forget, Beyond is now live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific at beyond.ign.com and then live everywhere else 24 hours later. So be sure to join us right there every Wednesday. Thank you all so much for watching. Beyond. 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 Beyond.